When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today is Monday, May 3rd, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman, episode 406, featuring Heavy.coms and Forbes, Sean Devenies, powered by BetOnline.ag. Go to BetOnline.ag today and use the promo code CLNS50 for a 50% sign-up bonus. Okay, we are back with you. Another new edition of Celtics Speed. I was going to say another nice new edition, but I don't know how kind this show is going to be, if I'm being honest. It's been a, a weird sort of run. I'm Adam Kaufman. You know Evan Valenti, our producer, sometimes host. Of course, we welcome in a good friend of the program, Sean Devaney from Heavy, from Forbes, from, uh, I mean, everywhere. The man just, he's, <laughs> he, he runs the globe. How are you, bud? I'm doing well. How are you guys? I've been better. You know, I was just looking at the Celtics schedule and as we know, and and we can dive into this stuff a little bit later, the seven games left and sitting seventh in the East and what that means for the play in tournament and other thoughts on the play in tournament around the league and all that good stuff. We'll save that. We'll get to it a little bit later in the show. The last handful of games guys, I think is just such a perfect microcosm of this Celtics season in so many ways. Okay. You look at the game. Last Sunday, so a week ago Sunday in Charlotte, just embarrassed. Doors blown off. Terry Rozier is torching you. There's no Gordon Hayward. You don't even show up for that game, and uh, everyone's making excuses after the fact. Saying, you know, we got to be better and all that good. You know, all, all that stuff we're used to hearing. It's a north of twenty point loss. How do they rebound? How are they gonna, you know, s- stick the their feet to the fire and and respond? Well. They get embarrassed even worse by Oklahoma City at home. Not worse in the sense that, you know, they lost by more. They only lost by four, but worse because that is a team that had lost 14 straight games. You're in your building. They had played a back-to-back. You're well-rested, and they have no talent whatsoever to speak of. You're basically full, you know, for the, for the most part, at least in terms of what you need to have out there, artillery rise. You've got the power, and you go out there and – and you lose. I mean, good for the Lemonster native, the head coach there for, for the homecoming in front of friends and family, but God damn it. What an awful performance by the Celtics in that game. So fine. What are they going to do next time out against Charlotte? They win, they recoup, they put their, you know, money where their mouth is. Jalen Brown, he's a leader. He shows up. It's all, you know, I'm getting killed on Twitter. Great. Wonderful. That's what you need. Charlotte kind of, eh, but they all count the same. That's all that matters. So then you have the game against the Spurs, which in and of itself is kind of the Celtics season, right? They go down by 32 points, 32 points, and then complete one of the biggest comebacks in NBA history behind Jason Tatum's historic 60-point performance. Mike Gorman called it one of the top five games he'd ever seen in his time with the Celtics. And the guy's been around for a little while. And an unbelievable performance by the team win of the year, Jason Tatum. Unbelievable. And they come back yesterday, last night. They lose against Portland. They fall by 10. 
Kemba Walker still sidelined, fourth straight game missed. And then the final minute, the final minute of what was obviously a very winnable game, a very entertaining game for the most part, till obviously the refs got involved there late and it kind of skewed everything. But there, just in this injury plague season, you see Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown so fittingly, poetically colliding and both leaving with injuries. Now, it's entirely possible neither one is serious. Tatum spoke post-game. He said he's okay. We don't have a concrete update right now on Brown. Maybe both will be out there for this next game. But good Lord, what we've seen from this sample of late to take us just perfectly into where we are in this season, Sean. Yeah, what a week. Uh, man, that, uh, uh, that does sort of sum up uh, the season, especially the injury thing. And, you know, if you say this, then... And then people, oh, you're making excuses for them. You're doing this, you're doing that. But I have never seen a team that that is a good team and a contending team. You know, you see this happen to terrible teams and they become, uh, you know, they go and get the first or second pick uh, in the draft the following year uh, from a contending team, from a team that that is, uh, you know, among the top, you know, let's say 10 teams in the league. I've never seen this kind of year. Um, you know, they've had 32 starting lineups. Uh, in what is it, 65 games. 32 starting lines for 65 games. They haven't used the same starting five more than four games in a row. Uh, it's pretty incredible. The, the, the most common starting five they've used uh, was for 10 games, and that was one of the Tice lineups early on in the, uh, early on in the season. Um, you know, so, look, ex- injuries aren't an excuse, but they are a reason for a lack of chemistry, a lack of understanding how to play with each other, a lack of understanding, okay, what's going to happen when we get in tough situations, when we're in adversity, uh, you know, knowing what to do, knowing what to expect from this guy, that guy, when you haven't played together, uh, then you don't have that sort of that, that comfort level. Uh, And I think what we see uh, over and over and over again with this team and people get frustrated and say, well, they're not trying. I don't think that's it. They don't have the chemistry. They don't have the knowledge of each other. So they get in these tough situations and they, they take bad shots. They take, they jack up threes that they shouldn't be jacking up. They take contested mid-range shots uh, because they get themselves in a situation where the ball's not moving. They don't know what to do, and they wind up with a bad shot. You know, you know, people don't realize how quick those twenty-four seconds go uh, when you're when you're out on the floor and when those you know when you're under pressure like that. And I think if you just haven't been in those situations with the guys around you, uh, then uh, th- then you're going to get some of the the ugly decision making that we see uh, from the Celtics uh, all too often. Uh, and as as well as they played yesterday, it was a good you know they lost by ten, but but it was a really well played game, uh, really on both sides of the ball. Uh, but uh, you did see some of the bad decision making, Marcus Smart uh, and and others making some bad decisions late in the, late in that game. I think a lot of that is just yeah, this team has not played with each other. Yeah, yeah I just it, well, it's I well you look at I mean look at what Fournier said after the game last night, right? He talks about how. He doesn't feel like he's 100% back. He feels, first off, the fact that he feels bad about getting COVID and putting this team in situation. Yeah. I mean, look, <laughs> this this particular virus, uh, it, we have, we, we're a year in and we still don't understand everything about it. Uh, you get it, it. It's unfortunate, but you don't need to apologize to the team for missing time. It just means a lot that he's, you know, trying to come back and trying to, trying to get better uh, while this team tries to figure itself out. And get himself playoff ready after after coming back from this thing is tough. He talked about it feels like he has a concussion. His depth perception is all off. The last night he looked terrific. Shoot the shot the ball very well last night. Um, but he's it's just you look at that. You look at Jason Tatum has taken inhaler before games. 
to get his lungs right. Uh, you have Kemba Walker getting managed for a knee injury for the entire season, then strains his oblique. What was a very weird play. It's just, it's a disaster. And it's like, you know, Rob Williams is managing some sort of, you know, nagging injury. Jalen Brown's uh, nursing two nagging injuries. It's, it, and they add the one last night to just to, you know, for the cause. I, I, look, we've, we've tried all season uh, and we've had a myriad of guests. Sean's been on a bunch. Um, trying to figure out what is wrong. Is it coaching? Is it, is it, uh, is it the personnel? Is it players? It's, it's maybe, can we admit that the whole, this whole season that's been, you know, if you look at the injury numbers and how many games have been lost to injury, the Celtics are running away with that particular statistic. Dallas in second has also been decimated by injuries and COVID throughout the entire season. I, I don't like to make excuses for injuries, but I think in this particular season, we have to maybe consider that it's playing a little bit more of a bigger factor than any of us maybe want to admit um, because none of us want it. Like it's like using the refs as an excuse. Yeah. The refs blew a couple of you know bad calls last night, including Tristan Thompson's uh, goaltend, which was an d- d- absolute disaster to joke in real time. And the fact that they didn't let Brad review that after whatever uh, it, it's <laughs> just, maybe we're not getting into, we're not playing into that particular storyline because it's lame. But maybe that's really what's going on here, as Sean alluded to. The chemistry's off, and that might be a big reason why. Uh, you're, you have guys trying to fill roles you're not normally used to filling. I mean, you know, Jason Tatum scoring 60 the other night, which was unbelievable. Uh, do we also want to talk about the fact that it was necessary for him to take 38 shots in the game? Yeah. Because it just the way their offense looked at times, you know what, just get the ball to Tatum and just get out of the way, and that might be the best offense. So. You know, I, I don't like making the injury excuse for any team, you know, regardless, unless it's like 2008 and Brady goes down in week one uh, where he tears his ACL. And, yeah, the season's over after that. I don't like to make excuses in basketball, but this might be the year to use that because this is ridiculous. I, how many different starting lineups? 32? Did you 32. say, Sean? That, yeah, that is ridiculous. for And it's a truncated season. It's a smaller season, and they've had 32 starting lineups. It's uh, – it's frustrating, but at the same time, it's like it is what it is, and, and Boston's had to make the best of it. it. just hasn't gone their way at all, really, this year. Yeah. I wonder if it gets to the point, too, where, you know, everything that you've both highlighted, and I don't, I don't think enough attention, quite frankly, can be spent on the Fournier stuff. Listening to him post game, it just, frankly, it sounded scary, you know, out there. It's certainly frightening for anyone that either has had COVID or, or still lives in fear of getting COVID. The the idea of, of being out there, being a professional athlete, playing a basketball game at obviously the highest level and feeling like you are actively playing with a concussion is just, you know, the blurriness, the vision, the lack of focus, the depth perception, all the different things, Evan, that you mentioned. It's uh, it, it makes me wonder if you, you just you get to a certain point where the lack of continuity and everything that Sean explained that we've talked about, I don't know how many times on the show over the course of the season, and Brad has talked about it, the players have talked about it. If you just kind of accept as, as we near the end of the regular season, and some people in my Twitter mentions asking on a daily basis, is this even a playoff team, let alone one that's going to you know come out of the play-in tournament or, or escape the play-in tournament or whatever it may be, if we just we spent time with Abby Chin last show talking about expectations, ultimate expectations for this team and saying that it, it just runs the gamut, you know, and any, you, you could paint any scenario and none at this point in time would really be all that surprising. Do we just have to sit back? And this is just, it's, it, this is not how sports fans are built, but 
or not how we're wired? Do we just need to sit back and say, whatever happens, happens, man, because the it's it's just impossible to even feel one way or another about this team. And it's hard to even get angry at this team anymore. I had so much anger toward this team throughout much of the season. But now, as we get to this point and everything that has unfolded, you just kind of have to say, all right, sometimes it's just not your year, man. <laughs> I don't know yeah. what you're supposed to do about it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with that. And, and, you know, some of this does go back to the NBA itself, the way that they've approached this season and the fact that, that, that we're playing this season the way we are mm-hmm. um, and, and whether that was a good idea to begin with to come back before Christmas and, and, and get started then, um, you know, when there, there weren't vaccines and there were, you know, the, the whole COVID thing, you know, if we were starting uh, this season, say in February, you know, you, you, it's a different sort of uh, uh, it's a different sort of thing, not just in terms of uh, training camp and that. But but now, you know, you've got vaccines, you've got, uh, uh, you know, a, a much better understanding of what's going on uh, and you're going to have uh, less of uh, this, this this wild card uh, of, of, of COVID, which, um, you know, I think the Celtics are up to something like 160 games uh, that have been affected by uh, by COVID, whereas Indiana, uh, I believe, has two. So, I, you know, and, and, and that's just a wild card. You know, I mean, so you have one high end, one low. You can't control that. Um, and, and some of that's on the league for, for starting this thing. And the players agreed to it. I'm not saying it's all yeah. just the league. It's players, too. The players could have fought them, uh, fought them a little harder on that. Uh, but they didn't, you know, because they, they all wanted the, uh, uh, the financial benefits of, of starting early. So, you know, some of this is just this is the way this season was set up. It's not limited to the South. I think the Celtics have been hit harder uh, by it than anybody else in the league. But it's really not limited. Limited to that. I mean, you look at Miami uh, and the situation they've been in, uh, you know, obviously a very disappointing year, but, you know, a lot of that's been because of COVID. Dallas has been in a, a similar sort of situation. Um, and, and, you know, teams that have, you know, Utah has, has had practically a, a clean bill of health all year, and that's one reason why they're the best team in the league. So, you know, health is always going to be a factor, but it just seems like because of the way the NBA set things up this year, uh, it was always going to be a much, much bigger factor uh, this time around than, than any, uh, any other time around. So as things sit right now, you have the Celtics seventh in the Eastern Conference. And again, for anyone that is unfamiliar with the play-in tournament, the way this works is first six teams in each conference guaranteed a spot in the postseason. Then this seven to ten, you're going to have those teams square off. And obviously two will emerge for the seven and eight seeds. And who will find themselves in the lottery. So the C's right now would be part of the play-in tournament, but it's just, it's so close. It is so close right now. You know, the four through eight seeds through Sunday, of course, as we talk here Monday morning, you have the Knicks who, uh, you know, granted, like they're playing above their heads, credit to them. You have the Hawks, uh, a game and a half behind them in fifth and sixth. Uh, the Heat, another half game back. Then the Celtics in seventh, uh, just a half game out of sixth, two and a half out of fourth. And the uh, Hornets, who are a couple games beyond the Celtics, are sitting in eighth. So C's, you know, you'd you'd love to see them uh, avoiding a first-round matchup with Milwaukee, obviously, if that's possible. You know, getting up to that four or five seed. But, I mean, man, like as of right now, what is it, Washington, I think that maybe would be their matchup. I'd, I'd have to pull it up and look at it. it doesn't really matter I, I believe that's what it is yeah they play Washington right now if the season ended so as we know there's a lot that happens before then but even I, still- I think they play Charlotte Adam when they when they it goes seven eight 
and then the nine ten play each other. Is that what it's dropped to now? Yeah, yeah. So it's seven. So that would uh, intriguing, uh, you know, one game playoff there, uh, right? In Boston and uh, in Charlotte, no doubt. Uh, but uh, yeah, so Boston would play Charlotte, and then the winner of that automatically gets seven, and then the loser would play either Indy or Washington. So it's just you know a part of it, obviously, to that point, a little bit confusing for uh, yeah. for some that haven't paid. Um, you know, daily attention to it as, as so many have out there stressing over the play in tournament. I, I personally, you know, I've, I've never been a fan of the play in tournament. I've said that in the show. So this is not me being LeBron or Mark Cuban or whoever else, you know, saying as soon as your team is afflicted by it, all of a sudden we hate the play in tournament. We can get to that. But as it relates to the Celtics, I mean, what is the most, never mind like best case scenario we know what that is but what how do you think this unfolds do you feel like this is just inevitability into the play-in tournament right now no I think I think they'll they'll pull themselves up uh you know at least to number six I I do the rest of their schedule is very you know some of this is going to depend on Jalen Brown sure uh, and how his ankle is and 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 whether they decide you know we'd be better off going in the play-in tournament and and giving Brown uh you know eight to ten days off you know if they do that they wind up in the playing tournament. Maybe he's healthy, and 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 that's just how it goes. Um, you know, so some of that's going to depend on that. But but I think the rest of the schedule is easy enough uh, that they should be. You know, they've got two games against Miami. Those are going to be uh, obviously really really important. Uh, but uh, you know, when you look at the rest of it, uh, they have very winnable games across the board. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would think that they'd be able to to do enough to pull themselves out of that. So, like you said, it's such a slim margin um, that uh, uh, you know you got to think that that one of those other teams uh, with a tougher schedule. Obviously, the Knicks have uh, a really tough schedule uh, remaining, going on the road and all that. Uh, but uh, yeah, you know, I think the Celtics should be able to do just enough uh, to pull themselves out of that seven spot and avoid that play-in. Yeah, I almost think you could rest everybody, though, at this point. Just because, like, I've come to the conclusion that, and it was kind of evident a while ago, and I forget what game I said it, but it was like, if this team doesn't have everybody together, the chemistry and, like, the body language and the effort just looks off. But when everybody's together, they have great energy. When they're not, like, it just seems weird. So, you know, as we get closer to playoffs, my point was, if they're not going to play – you know, to the energy level they need to play with and without a, like, who cares? Like, it, it, it's just one of those things. Like, if they're health, if everybody's healthy and, and they're, um, you know, if they have a, their full complement of their roster, then they're a good shot to beat anybody. And like, and like, I'm not even trying to be a homer about this. They have a lot of great talent on that team and they play mm-hmm. well together when everybody's on the floor. But the problem is nobody's ever healthy enough to, to see what it looks like for four games in a row. So why don't you just bank that? You know, give because if you're gonna, especially if you're gonna rest Jalen Brown a lot, you know, the guy that I feel bad for is Jason Tatum, who's you know dealing with COVID, uh, trying to get over that, has played a ton of minutes this year, a ton of high leverage minutes this year, and needs a break and can't even get one because he's got to carry the offensive load because both Kemba and Jalen Brown are gonna be injured at this point. So, you know, as much as we want to try and get them to get to a higher seed because it feels like more gratifying if they're the fourth seed instead of being the seventh. Again, at this point, I'm so reserved to saying, like, whatever. If this team is healthy come playoff time, they're they're one team. If they're not, they have zero shots. So we might as well just get everybody healthy, play that game, and, and get to the playoffs, yeah. with, with hopefully trying to have your full roster. Yeah, and to your point, Evan, like, if imagine being Philadelphia. And right. Celtics do wind up number seven, and they get to win the play-in game. 
uh, and they come in healthy and you're the Sixers and you've had this great year and you look and you're like, oh, great. And we get the Celtics again. Great. You know, I would not want to be Philadelphia playing the Celtics uh, in the first round of the playoffs, not after the year that Philadelphia's had uh, uh, and, and, and the way that the Celtics have played them in the postseason in the past. Yeah, I agree with that. And if you're, again, if you're going to play Embiid and you're going to play Ben Simmons and, and Tobias Harris, and again, Doc's done a great job with that team all season long. You know, you're not going to beat that team. Look, Embiid's going to score 40 a game anyway. Doesn't matter what you do, but you're going to need a, some firepower on the other side. And if you're, you're, if you have a fully rested Kemba Walker, if you have a fully rested Jalen Brown, and you've been able to find ways to give Tatum nights off, then you can at least go toe to toe with them with firepower and say, Hey, out of all the teams that are left here, you know, we feel the most comfortable playing you guys. We've had so much, you know, uh, successes against you guys in the past. I mean, I would, I would be okay with it. And if they went down to, to the, the league MVP, um, or a guy that would have won it if he didn't get hurt, um, I- I'm okay with that. I'm totally fine with that considering how the season's gone. But again, I- I'm with you, Sean. If I'm Philadelphia and, and for some reason the, the, <laughs> it would be so funny for Philly if, the only time the Celtics were healthy at all over the entire 2020, 2021 <laughs> season was playoffs against them. That would just be hysterical from, from my point of view. That's all. Celtics in five. <laughs> It'd be so perfect for this season though, wouldn't it? It would just make all the sense in the world, the way this thing has gone, you know, finally they're, they, they, they've got their, their guys just in time for the postseason. Hey, real quick, bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football, as we know, is over. In fact, it's uh, going to be right around the corner pretty soon. But NBA, NHL, baseball, all in full swing. NBA title odds. You got the Nets, the Kyrie Irving-led Nets with James Harden and uh, Kevin Durant, at least if all them get to be healthy at some point. Plus 210 to win this year's title. We'll see if that trio can do it in year one together. Lakers, if they uh, even escape the play-in tournament, plus 350 yeah to repeat as champions the clippers plus 600 the jazz at plus 800 believe it or not the celtics have climbed plus 3300 usually we're talking about them around plus 4000 if you are a believer in boston maybe the time to get them was before but plus 3300 and uh, at betonline.ag you can even start betting on some of the end of the season awards mvp six man of the year coach of the year rookie of the year most improved player defensive player of the year celtics aren't going to win any of them but if you want to bet on some of those elsewhere you can certainly do it bet online has you covered for all the news scores and odds best place and the best way to get your bets in it's free to sign up folks don't sit on the sidelines anymore get in on the action don't forget to use that promo code it is clns50 to receive a 50 percent welcome bonus with your first deposit again the promo code is clns50 bet online your online sportsbook experts so um, you know, told some people on Twitter, you were going to be on the show here, Sean, and someone asked, and maybe you saw this question. You probably weren't surprised to see it, uh, from footnotes, a, uh, loyal listener of the program, Sean claimed last season, the Celtics were better off without Gordon Hayward. Does he care to amend? And I feel like I know how you're going to answer this question and I don't even necessarily disagree with it, but I want to hear it. Uh, no, I don't care to amend. Uh, I, I do believe that, uh, that they were always going to need someone else. I just didn't think that that guy was Gordon Hayward. That, that you know, if you were able to pull off a sign and trade for him, uh, then that would have been ideal. Uh, my point with him was always that he duplicated too much what Tatum and Brown do. That, that there's not enough differentiation there, uh, that he was never going to be happy as, as a fourth option, 
uh, and that you needed somebody who fit the roles that have been established within this team. I still believe that I, you know, look with the way things have gone because of the injuries and because of all the absences, Gordon Hayward, he would have been, it would have been great to have him. Uh, but when you look at the team and the way that this team is structured, I still think he doesn't really fit that, that he's a guy who, you know, you're, 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 you're struggling to take a, a, another sort of wing combo forward guy uh, and put him on the floor. And, and, you know, that's, for, again, for the roles on this team, I just don't think he he was uh, ever really the ideal guy. And when they brought him in, they didn't know what they had with Brown and Tatum. They just didn't know. Mm-hmm. And 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 so bringing him in made sense. Uh, but I think letting him go made sense too. You would have liked to have gotten a little bit more for him, obviously, than uh, than the, than the trade exception and turning that into Evan Fournier. So. I uh, certainly wish they still had a, a healthy Gordon Hayward, and it's important to phrase it that way because he's hurt for Charlotte right now. I mean, the guy, unfortunately, yeah. he, he just can't stay on the floor. I didn't uh, – I mean, we've had the Hayward discussion so many times, we don't need to have it again here. I didn't expect you to amend, obviously. What I did think you were going to bring up is that, you know, Evan Fournier – if he were the guy that they traded for anyway, and it's not his fault, he got COVID and everything that's come along since the inconsistency and all else. So obviously we hope that, you know, he is able to get right for, uh, for the team's sake, mostly for his sake, for, you know, all, all the different reasons. But if he were the guy that they dealt for, that they got from Orlando, he would have come in and kind of been Hayward light in some of the best ways. I imagine in your eyes, compared to some of the ways that took away from Tatum and Brown, obviously he would have come in and certainly known his role as more of a supportive piece than a focus piece and it would impact what we've seen from this team over the course of the last month and a half but he just hasn't been able to be that guy yeah yeah I mean if certainly if we were to uh, shoot the way that he's shot in his best games you know when we've seen him at his best uh, you know right before he went out uh, certainly last night um, you know uh, what was he six for eight last night I mean eight for ten you you take that sure (laughs) yeah eight for ten right so uh uh, I think anybody who shoots 80%, you'd, you'd welcome that on your team. But no, yeah. I, I mean, that's, that's, but, but you're right. And you probably, you know, if, if things had gone right and you're able to maybe get two players because there's still money left on that, uh, uh, on that uh, trade exception, if you're able to get two players uh, out of that deal, um, you know, another role player, whether it's a big guy or, or whatever it may be, uh, you know, then, then I, I would, yeah, I would still say that they're better off. And, and, you know, Evan Fournier is a, is a much better role player um, for, for what this team is uh, than, than what Gordon Hayward was ever going to be. He was never going to be happy as the fourth option. And, 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 you know, he's, he said that. And, and, and that's, 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 again, they, they didn't know he was going to be the fourth option when they signed him. Uh, and, uh, and I don't think there's any hard feelings for, uh, for him, you know, wanting to go and, 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 and take on a bigger role. In the spirit of uh, guys emerging, though, and even it, it's all the more impressive, quite frankly, in the wake of COVID and the inhaler and everything that Evan talked about before with Jason Tatum, what he is doing right now and, and the 60 point game, not even, you know, like being the fixture. Obviously, that was an unbelievable game. But, 61. Yeah. That was an and one. <laughs> Yeah, so there you go. Should, <laughs> he got robbed. I like him holding yeah, up. Yeah, a la Wilt. That's a big thing, though, of, of the, the, the all-time leader in a game for the, the Boston Celtics. That's it's true. A huge accomplishment. No, it's, yeah. it's, and it's, a, it's a big deal. And I'm not, you know, certainly dismissing any of it. It's been unbelievable to watch. But even more so, the, what makes it all the more impressive is that it's not just this isolated – 
you know, boy, what a great game from Jason Tatum. And then whatever, he gives you 20 the next night or something yeah. like that. He's on this three-game run right now where he's, what, matched or, or even exceeded Larry Bird in, in total points in the three-game stretch for the most in Celtics history. He has, uh, what is it, four straight 20-point halves. He's just on this this otherworldly run right now a lot of it as evan said before has been out of necessity obviously with the team shorthanded but hey that's just been the case all year but are you seeing anything right now sean or evan as well that you know you feel like you haven't seen from tatum before even during that stretch last year pre-bubble where he was playing out of his mind you know i i I think that the the so i think there's kind of a one thing but but in two facets one is that i think his decision making is is getting much sharper and and getting sharper all the time uh so i think there's there's that uh and that is just part of maturing and and you know having been a young guy and 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 learning uh you know making the mistakes and and learning from it uh but i think the other thing is that his mistakes now are such that he seems to put himself in a, in a position where even his mistakes, even when he gets into a bad shot, he's still in a position to make a shot. You know, he's still, his, his, his bad decisions aren't as bad as they used to be. I guess that's a good way to put mm-hmm. it. Uh, so, you know, I, even when he puts himself or he's forced into that position, because like you say, you know, nobody else is making shots. Um, you, you know, he, he seems better able to handle that. Um, and that's, that's, that's physical maturation. So I think there's, there's, there's the mental aspect where I think his decision-making is sharper. I also think physically uh, he has, uh, um, you know, developed in such a way that, that, that he knows how to get himself just enough room, even when he has to take a shot that he probably shouldn't be taken. One of the big things I like recently, and I agree with the decision-making is a big thing. Um, you know, his ability to, attack immediately instead of wait and like survey what the guy's doing it's like no you 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 attack you let him adjust you don't adjust to him one of the things i like to, i want to bring up which has been huge if you go back to four nine this is the run that he's been on there's one exception of a very weird game against the lakers in which just a weird game on the road i think we all watched that and were just it was just bizarre how the Celtics bench almost gave up on a 27-point lead at one point in that game. Uh, but going back to that game against Minnesota, free throw attempts. Mm-hmm. 16-8-10-0 against that, the Lakers. Then 8-8-8-7-7-8-17. Music to my ears. That's yeah. what you want. That's the right. stuff I'm looking for. I'm looking for a guy that gets to the free throw line because he's such a good free throw shooter. Uh, gets him in rhythm as a shooter. Like, one of the things that people – I think don't take a lot of – I just don't think about a lot because I hear people like, oh, that sidestep three that Tatum takes off the dribble is a great shot. And I'm like, yeah, because he makes it a lot, but you also have to understand time and circumstance. If Tatum's 0 for 5 and takes that shot to go 0 for 6 or 1 for 6, that's a bad shot in my opinion because he needs to get rhythm. And a lot of times guys get rhythm by going to the free throw line and knocking down three or four in a row, then all of us and these guys are unworldly shooters, especially today. Like they're just the shooting now is outrageous. I mean, Tatum's shot again, the step back thirty footer that he takes and makes with regularity is an insane shot that twenty years ago people weren't <laughs> taking multiple times a game on purpose. So it's like one of these things where if Tatum gets to the free throw line and establishes that rhythm early on in the game it allows him to be a much better shooter. So when he's 
you know, taking those contested three pointers, they go in a lot more when he's in rhythm than when he's not. And if he's not in rhythm and he takes that shot and he misses it, that's a bad shot because all you have to do is find a way to the free throw line. They're easy points, just no defense, no time off the clock. And Tatum's an efficient shooter. So that's the number that gets me the most excited, guys. So I want to make sure, uh, especially in the interest of times, so we've got you about 10 more minutes or so, and and I do want to get to the LeBron and, and Cuban comments and all that stuff as well. But uh, Evan knows at least uh, – at least once a show, I'm going to say something stupid. Well, here, here's today's, okay? So over this last three-game run, we've seen, as we just talked about Jason Tatum, play absolutely out of his mind. But these have still been close games. You know, they, they didn't even win the Portland one, as we know. The other, you know, they needed the, the overtime victory to come back from down 32 in the 60-point effort for Tatum and obviously the Charlotte game as well. So Tatum has been great. And... That's where it's at. It's, you know, what else? And, well, the and here is an acronym, folks. It's Aaron Neesmith Dominance. That's what it is. Aaron Neesmith Dominance. Hate it. Done because you can't, you can't win these games right now or even be close in these games right now without Aaron Neesmith. That is not even overstating it. That is just a reality. The rookie has gotten comfortable. He's gotten an opportunity. He's made shots. And the way that he has shot, you look at, you know, his game log over these last few. You know, he's yeah. got that, that 15 point game against Charlotte. It's, it's, oh my God, we've never seen anything like this from Aaron Neesmith so far in his rookie year. You know, early on, it was Peyton Pritchard. When's Neesmith going to contribute? You know, he's always been heart, hustle, energy, all that. But when he's, when's he actually going to put the ball, you know, in the cylinder? Well, 15 and then 16 each of the last two games. So he is on a good, consistent run right now. And, you know, the field goals, six out of seven, seven out of nine, six out of 12. He's hitting, you know, almost all of us three pointers. He's a total of, let's see, eight for, uh, eight for 12 from three. He's not getting to the free throw line. He's rebounding the ball, by the way. In these three games, he has a total of 19 rebounds. And this is all while he's getting himself into horrible foul trouble. He's coming within one foul of fouling out in all three of these games. So, which again speaks in part, I mean, he's a little erratic, but it speaks in part again to just the, the energy, the mindset, what he needs to bring. I think there's a reason, and I'm paraphrasing the tweet that Marcus Smart tweeted out the other day saying, yeah, I mean, Tatum's playing out of his mind and this is awesome, but like, let's celebrate Aaron Neesmith and what he's doing right now, because he is just such a big part of what is leading to any sort of victories that we're getting here during this stretch. I don't think we could say enough about what he's doing lately. Yeah, and, and it's it's rare. I mean, you, you see this kind of thing from a rookie on a team that's out of contention, that's that's not playing for, you know, that that they get a chance late in the year and, and, and garbage games and they put up numbers. This guy is putting up numbers in important situations uh, for a team that he hasn't done much for all year. You know, that, that like you said, he's had some, some flashes here and there, uh, but certainly has not been – uh, as good a shooter as we've seen lately and as good a shooter as he's supposed to be coming out of college. That was the big, uh, you know, the big benefit of him. Uh, you know, Orlando really wanted him uh, the pick after the Celtics took him uh, uh, number, uh, I think the Celtics, what, 14? 14. So Orlando was 15. Yeah, 14. Um, so, yeah, you know, he wasn't going to get past Orlando at 15. Celtics grabbed him at 14. Uh, and then for, you know, the first 75% of the seasons, we've, we've said, uh, you know, what's with this guy? Uh, but you know, now you kind of see why, why, why teams really liked him on both ends of the floor, you know, pretty good defensive player too. Uh, and, uh, um, you know, just, just his ability to knock down shots that, that is something that, that 
I've been waiting for. I know most Celtics fans have been waiting for all year. And again, you just don't really see this kind, this kind of uh, sudden production on a good team uh, from a rookie late in the year. Uh, it really does add a new wrinkle uh, when the playoffs do start. Uh, and, and, you know, teams, you know, if you're, if you're going to play the Celtics early on in the playoffs and, and, and you haven't had a chance uh, uh, or, you, you know, you will have had a chance to scout most of their guys, you, you're not going to have much on Aaron, on, on Aaron Smith, And, uh, uh, you know, he, he could be a little bit of a wild card uh, in that postseason. Who would have thought he'd be part of the rotation too? Right. Well, yeah. But I said at the beginning of the year when he wasn't playing that much, it's only because defensively he was a disaster. Um, and, you know, it's, it comes with practice, playing time, and playing with your teammates, communication, chemistry, all that stuff. And at the time, you know, I said, look, he's, if he can't shoot, then he's not going to play because he has no idea what he's doing defensively right now. And we know how much Brad values defense. And if he's not going to hit shots, then he's a complete negative out there. What you're seeing now is he has played enough to get comfortable on the floor shooting the basketball. And now that he's shooting the basketball better, it gives you an opportunity to play him a little bit more. And as he gets more comfortable with his teammates, he's going to get better defensively. He's a good athlete. He's got length. Yeah. He's got size. So it's not like he's going to be a total stiff out there defensively. He has the tools to be a good defender. It just takes time to get up. You know, again, this is a guy who played half a season in college and had no training camp. It just essentially walked on the NBA. The speed of the game is way different. So, you know, it, it, he got a lot of flack for getting picked at 14, especially with Sadiq Bay going a little bit later, and who has been tremendous for Detroit, and I love Sadiq. But Danny saw a guy that could really hit shots um, and maybe has some potential that we haven't seen yet. And what you're seeing now is a guy that feels a little more competent on the floor. He kind of feels where the, where the ball needs to go. One thing I like about Nisa is he knows his role. My role is I need to hit open shots. I need to hit open threes. I need to be in this spot just in case, you know, Tatum or Brown get cut off or, or Smart gets cut off from making a drive. I need to be here. I need to fill this gap. And then I need to hit this shot. That's how he survives. And what you're also getting is, is the, the, the energy plays that he provides you just on the glass, you know, offensive and defensive rebounding from have been big. I mean, he had a putback the other night that was, you know, he came out of nowhere to grab it, put it back. Or like, that's a great, that's a great smart heady play by a rookie who's trying to figure it out still. So again, if they get anything from him, especially this part of the year and, and end of the postseason, that's a win considering what they've gotten on him so far. The Pritchard pick was a huge win. Uh, I love the way he plays. He's uh, a perfect, like, scrappy, you know, third guard they have. He's going to play big minutes, uh, not just this year, but in years to come. But the Neesmith reemergence or emergences in general has been awesome. And because he's hitting shots, he's staying on the floor. And if he can continue to do that, this team can can continue to grow around him a little bit. And they can insert him in different lineups and things. But it's been encouraging the past couple of games. Just looking ahead at uh, some of what's to come here. So before we do get out of here, uh, and I guess I could have sprinkled it in with the play-in tournament conversation before, but uh, Sean, what do you make of sort of the league-wide perception of the play-in tournament? You have Mark Cuban, some of the Mavs being, you know, very vocal about not liking it. LeBron saying whoever came up with, you know, this belief should be fired. But where, you know, as and others have tweeted this, and this was the first thing I tweeted when I saw the comments from LeBron last night, 
you know, these comments just don't hold water with the timing. If you had said that at the beginning of the season, sure, you know, you've made your opinion known. When you don't think it's going to affect you, and then it does, and then you say it, you know, then you just look soft, quite frankly. You know, af- afraid of a one-game play-in to get into the tournament here. Uh, now, I don't, I don't like the play-in tournament either. I think it's actually great for the league. I think it's great to, you know, keep more and more fan bases invested and interested in their team's uh, success ultimately than has done in the past. You know, you don't have any of those teams that it, this, the, the whole idea is preventing or limiting tanking. Well, you're seeing a lot more of that, obviously. More of these teams, most teams right now are within striking distance of the play-in tournament and seems like a lot want to be there. Now, maybe that is unique to this year, but it feels like the play-in tournament is around to stay. How do you feel about it? Uh, just, you know, I don't know, surface level and and what we should expect going forward. Yeah, you know, I, I actually like it. You know, I think that um, as we've seen in the past, you know, there you're going to get some teams that, uh, you know, geez, you remember maybe eight, nine, ten years ago in the Western Conference, you'd have teams that won 47 games and, and didn't have a crack at the playoffs. You know, you're going to get things like that. Um, and, and, yeah, I have no problem with expanding it a little bit, uh, giving more teams a, a, an opportunity uh, and uh, uh, and going from there, you know, it's not it's not a huge, you know, it's 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 a few games. It's 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 you know two maybe three games, uh, four at the most, and 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 you know that's that's it. So it's not it's not something that is you know very intrusive, but it does add a little bit of an element, a little bit of a wrinkle. It reminds me of you know the wild card when when baseball brought in the wild card, the purists were their heads were exploding, and then, you know this is the end of the world as we know it. Uh, and then people saw the wild card and 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 saw some then said, well, this isn't so bad. And 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 of course, you know, you'd never think of taking it away now. And and I you know I kind of think it's it's going to be that way in the NBA that. Uh, within a few years, you just it just kind of be how things are. But you're right about some of the hypocrisy here that you know LeBron uh, one year ago was saying uh, you know they should have something where the the sixth seed plays the the tenth seed. You know all these teams that are so close, uh, and now that he's got one of the teams that is involved. Of course, Mark Cuban voted for it uh, as a member of the Board of Governors. This thing passed unanimously, uh, so he voted for it. Uh, but uh, yeah, so it's. Uh, uh, it is it is funny how the tune changes when when it, it affects you when you're not expecting it to. Uh, but at the same time, I still think it's it's anytime you get more teams involved and you can have a, a way like this to 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 keep the tanking at a minimum. I think it's a good thing. Real quick on this, just before we get out of here, because I know we're trying to get out of here at this point. But just just to I, I agree with what Sean said. I'm I'm all about this stuff. I love the wild card in, in baseball. Um, 04 Red Sox, obviously. Sure. Uh, are, are a team that's near and dear to my heart, wild card team. Um, but I, I love this. And think about it this way from a team planning standpoint. And I know they didn't win. They didn't make it. But think about the Phoenix Suns last year, right? They go mm-hmm. 8-0 in the bubble. They just missed the cutoff, right? Do they make the Chris Paul move if they don't go 8-0 and see that this team may ha- might have something? So, they you know, they 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 were a joke. They, they went 8-0 in the bubble. They got real close to getting into the playoffs. They didn't quite make it, mm-hmm. but you knew something might be there. And then all of a sudden, Phoenix, the offseason, they go get Chris Paul. They bring him in. Now they're going to be maybe the one seed in the West. So mm-hmm. just to – it might – you look, it might be BS for some teams. Like, oh, they shouldn't make it. Blah, blah, blah. But if you're one of these teams that's down towards the bottom and you get into the, the you know, the eight or the nine or the, or the ten seed and you somehow make the NBA playoffs – 
and you get a nice run to see where your team's like in playoff basketball, it might change the outlook and the offseason of your team and say, hey, maybe we'd be more aggressive here. Maybe we have something yeah. that, we, that we is going to work and we need to build on this rather than, you know, kick the can out over a couple of years. I think it's fine. And I think the Phoenix Suns, the bubble Suns, who were amazing last yeah. year, it's, they're the biggest advocate for it. They went from a team that was relatively not thought about to a team that acquired Chris Paul and is going to, you know, be a real factor in the West this year. I, I, I love it. I more of it, please. Yeah, Washington could be exactly situation. You know, that that same situation like Phoenix last year. It is funny how just in in recent years, Chris Paul was looked at as such a just oh that albatross of a contract, and uh, you know who wants him and who's even going to deal for him and yet. Uh, winning follows the guy, maybe not all the way to a championship, but certainly regular season turnarounds winning absolutely follows Chris Paul. All the graphics are out there, all the stats, it's, it's something else. So, Sean, before we let you go, these final seven games here at Orlando on Wednesday, hopefully there's a possibility Kemba's back, hopefully Tatum's out there, ideally Brown, although, uh, and we don't even know the specifics of his injury, what it was that that uh, happened when he collided with Tatum, but we know he was already dealing with a sprained right ankle. So they may just play it safe and not play him, even if he is generally speaking, okay. And, you know, would play in a playoff game if, if that were going on or something like that, but in Orlando Wednesday against the rebuilding magic, you have uh, at Chicago on Friday, a couple of games with Miami, as you mentioned, both at the garden and then uh, the seasonal wrap up with three road games in Cleveland, in Minnesota and in New York, how many of these seven to the Celtics need to win to avoid the play-in tournament, you think? You know, I think they need to win four, and I think four is is easy. You know, five and two is is, is realistic, um, you know, even even with the, the game against the Knicks and the two against the Heat. Uh, you know, they should be able to go four and three. I think that's enough to get them, uh, especially when you look at some of the other schedules. That's enough to get them out of that seven seed. I think they could realistically go five and two, though, even with the, uh, some of the injuries that they're dealing with. They'll probably go seven and zero and dupe us all into thinking they're championship contenders again. Right. <laughs> what? Just, just wait, folks. Just wait. If if it happens, you heard it here first. All right. This show again brought to you by uh, BetOnline.ag. Go to BetOnline.ag today and use the promo code CLNS50 for 50% sign-up bonus. As always, our thanks to Evan Valenti. I am Adam Kaufman. Subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff for Celtics Beat. We hope you do. And Sean, thanks as always for joining us. Okay. Thanks, guys. All right, new show coming again later this week. It'll be a two-for-week after we were a little lazy last week. Thanks for hanging out.